Yours is the glory forever. Amen. As we come to the scripture, let's come with with prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we are opening your word now. And we know, um, we know what that means. We know what we say it means. But Lord, we pray that in the power of your spirit, you would open our hearts and minds and lives um, to your word, to your will, to your ways. Guide us as we listen. Guide us as I share and we together we seek you as we seek to understand and to be impacted by and to live according to your word. We love you, Lord. Guide us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture for this third Sunday of the season of Advent comes from the uh, Gospel of Matthew once again. And we're going to be looking in the 11th chapter, beginning in the second verse. And the setting is that John the Baptist is now in prison. Listen to the word of God. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Advent is about waiting and being ready for when Jesus comes. And Advent is about waiting for Christmas when we celebrate his coming that happened 2,000 years ago. But also Advent is about waiting for him to return and make all things right. But we know this. We know this about waiting. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. 
And stuff happens when you're waiting, especially before we get to Jesus. The Jews had the promise of Abraham for about 2,000 years before Jesus came. It, It was a promise of innumerable children, a huge family, a great nation. And, and that they would be a blessing to all nations. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. 2,000 years they waited. Christians, we now have had the promise for 2,000 years and we're still waiting for him to come again. So we start, we start having questions. We have questions not, be, not just because of the length of the wait, But we have questions because of the struggles that we face in our lives while we wait. Whether it's thousands of years of waiting or just from those few short moments of of fear and struggle and pain. We, We see the difficulty of waiting we see that difficulty played out in the story of John the Baptist. We've got to look at John's situation. In many ways, it mirrors our own during the season of Advent. The waiting started out a couple of weeks ago in in terms of Advent. We, We have some more waiting to do. We're right in the middle of these four weeks of Advent. Do you remember being a kid... And, and December rolls around, and oh man, it's Christmas time. All the decorations are going up. You go out anywhere, and it looks like Christmas is here. But then you get right about now, and it seems like it's never going to get there. It's never going to get here. For us as Christians, the situations, our, our situations started the moment we put our faith in Christ. And the belief that one day he will come again and and restore all of creation and and take away our pain and wipe away our tears. And we're waiting with seemingly no end in sight. John the Baptist is the first witness to who Christ is. He he announces his arrival in in the greatest of ways. And he, and he did it before anyone else got it. He knew this was the one. That in Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is here. It, which, which simply means that he, Jesus, is the king. And he's here. And then he waited. And he waited. And in the meantime, bad things started happening to him. And he's unjustly arrested by Herod and held as a prisoner for for no good reason. And his life is in peril. And and he eventually is going to be beheaded. I mean, that's as bad as things can get. And it's not at all what he expected from the moment that he met Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. There comes a point in waiting when it seems like it's only darkness surrounding us and and darkness in front of us. And you can't see anything but the, the fear and the pain behind and ahead. I was, um, I was blessed to grow up on the coast in Southern California, and my parents and my friends, we all loved being in the water and on the water. 
and we had a number of summer adventures going to an island 26 miles off the coast, Catalina Island. And one time in high school, I was invited by one of my best friends to go with him, just him and I, and, and we were going to take a jet ski across the channel uh, to, to Catalina. And it is one of the early jet skis, these little powered vehicles that we, in those days, you had to stand up on it. And, and if you were just, and if it was still in the water, your feet would literally be sunk down into the water. They were about four feet long. And one of us rode the jet ski, and the other one drove a little ski boat about 16 feet long, and it had a compass, and it had an extra can of gas in the ski boat because halfway across, the jet ski was going to run out of gas. And so we, uh, we would have to stop and refuel it halfway across. And I will never forget that feeling of being on this little jet ski 13 miles offshore on a hazy morning, on this tiny jet ski, barely floating with my feet sunk into the water, and stopped with no land in sight, any direction. It wasn't behind us, it wasn't in front of us, just alone on this little thing in the middle of the ocean. That's what waiting can feel like. What, what this world can feel like. Nothing ahead, nothing behind. You know you're headed somewhere, but right now you just can't see it or see anything. And, you, and so you ask the question, is there anything out there? All of us understand being in bad situations. And, and we can think of no worse situation than the one John the Baptist is in. So John's question, John's question. John knew the question is not just an impersonal question of the universe. Is there anything out there? He knew this was a very personal question. A question of his God. Are you there? Are you the one I thought you were? Who I said you were. But, but that was before. That was before all these things happened to me. And, and before they happened in this world. Before the, the tragedies of two millennia. Disease wiping out populations. And then the, the plague in Europe or the smallpox in the Americas. People killing through genocide and Genocide after genocide, all, all the way to today. All these things happen, in the, and, they throw, and we can throw everything into the question John asks. Are you who we thought you were? This is the question that comes up when waiting gets hard. I love Jesus' answer. It should, it should inform all of our waiting. All of our evangelism, all of our answers to people asking hard questions about, about God and Jesus, all those questions echoed the question that John is asking. And Jesus' answer is, is, direct, is to direct them to testify to what they have seen and heard. The answer is important in two ways. First, it's important... 
it's important for what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't provide an extensive theological training and epistemological background. He doesn't give them a seminar on the existence of God in an in-depth Christology argument for John. He doesn't expect them to be PhDs in religion and philosophy and psychology. He doesn't ask, ask from them anything that they don't already have to answer these hardest questions of John's. Secondly, it's, it's such a, a simple answer. It's something that they're able to do. He's asking them to explain their faith. Not the whole of the faith, just their faith. And, and, and that will be enough to completely answer John's question. All Jesus asks them to do, asks us to do, is to tell John what they've heard and seen. They've seen him do miracles. They've heard him preach a new message with authority like no one else. A message that makes sense of everything and has hope. All these things are the things that that have convinced them that he is the Messiah, the King, Don't worry about telling John what you don't know or don't understand. Just tell him what you have seen and heard. Here's the thing about that. Jesus tells them that that John is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. He's the one who gets to announce the arrival of the king. The king that they've been waiting all that Old Testament time of 2,000 years for. But then he goes on to tell them that any in the kingdom of heaven are greater than him, greater even than John. All that means is that those who come after Jesus and get the chance to testify to what they've seen and heard of the king, his reign, his authority, his rule, they have a greater testimony than even John himself. Here's the testimony, the the, the testimony to what they've seen and heard. People's deepest needs are met. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. Sinners are forgiven, the dead are raised, and the hopeless are given hope. This is the stuff of the kingdom of heaven, and they've seen it. They've seen it. So here's Jesus' challenge. See it. See it. Have you seen it? John the Baptist, from his perspective in his prison cell, is having trouble clearly seeing it. His distance and circumstances are making it hard for him. Our distance, our, our, our circumstances, not being able to see land clearly ahead of us or behind us, our circumstances of any sort, the weight of the world, all our shame and our fears and our suffering sometimes make it hard for us to answer Jesus' question. But it depends upon what you see. Two quick stories. 
The first is a story I heard long ago, kind of an anecdote about a, a Native American walking along with another person in New York City. And uh, they're walking amidst all the traffic and both on the, on the street and on the sidewalks, all the people going by and the noises. And, and, the, and the Native American stops and says, hey, listen, do you hear that? And the other one stops. What do you mean? What do I hear? It's, There's a din out here. What are you, what are you hearing? He says, do you hear that cricket? He goes, cricket? Are you kidding me? Look around. There's no crickets here. And the Native American looks around for a minute and he sees a, one little stem of a tree in a, in a planter amidst all the concrete. And he, he walks over to it and listens a little more and then he, and then he pulls out a cricket from this, from this tiny little space. He goes, it's just a matter of what you're listening for. And another story I heard a while back, a number of years ago, from a pastor named Sami Maurice, who's the pastor of a Presbyterian church on the, on the main square in the, town of, in the city of Cairo, Egypt. It's a Presbyterian church, and it's one of the leading churches in, in the Arab world. And, uh, and that's a tough place to be a church. Um, they're known for being gracious and welcoming all. And, and supporting all, and so they are allowed to stay even in this center part of, of Cairo because they are beloved. But at the same time, they cannot share their faith. They can't do it openly. And so they, they very consciously developed a, an evangelism, evangelism strategy that consisted of the very simple plan to pray that people would see Jesus. And so they started praying, and they started hearing of miracles around the Arab world. And one day they had a a gentleman come to them and say he had a dream, and Jesus came to him. And they spent some time, and they started telling him more about Jesus, and it came to the point where he he desired to be baptized. And they said, oh, hold on a minute. Do you know what that means? For us to baptize you means you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your job. And, and frankly, you may lose your life should this be known. And the gentleman looked back at Pastor Sammy and just looked him in the eye and said, Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? I haven't seen Jesus like that gentleman had. But I, throughout my life, have been encouraged by those who have, including my own father. And, and I've seen Jesus in them. And, and I've seen Jesus in other ways. The challenge in, in the middle of all the waiting is what do you see and here, I've been so blessed and encouraged in my own faith this past few months that I've been able to be with you. And this is why, very simply, I see God working here in this church and in you, in the believers that I've met here. I've, I've had a wonderful opportunity to spend time with a number of you and sit down and just 
ask questions and you tell me your story about your time in this church. And I got to tell you, not everything is perfect. It's not always an easy story because church isn't easy. Church is messy. And, And through COVID and before, you faced some hard times, many of you, and I've been honored to sit down with many of you and, and share some of those stories, even with tears. But it's especially in just those moments, I've seen the presence of God with, with us, working, healing, touching us, bring, bringing His grace and his love and his deep and abiding presence here among us. For some, it, we, we have those seasons of, of being out in the middle and not seeing land for a while. But then it seems like there's an outline of the destination starting to appear. And at the heart of it all, at the heart of everything I've seen here, is a people who love Jesus. And even more, trust Jesus for his love for us, his healing, his wiping away every tear, and leading us with his presence into the future that he would have for us. Here's the thing about waiting. Waiting is is learning how to look for the land ahead. Riding that little little jet ski, mostly I'd have to focus on what's right in front of me, the the next little wave ahead of me, because, you know, if I don't don't navigate that right, I'm going to get knocked off, and and I would get knocked off, and you, you climb back on the thing, and then start again, and mostly, again, focus on the little waves. But every so often, between the waves, I'd look up into the distance, and eventually, the land ahead would begin to appear. Waiting, we learn how to look for and to see Jesus when he arrives and when he's here. Working, healing, proclaiming, wiping our tears, and saving us. Let's pray. Lord, there's so little it seems like we can control in seeing you, except for our desire to see you. God, we long to see you. We are so grateful for when you give us the eyes to see you. We trust you're always here working, always present with us, guiding us and leading us. But Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give testimony to what we have seen. Your healing, your presence, your love, your saving. And what we have heard through your word and through, through your spirit speaking to us. God, thank you. Guide us that we, we would be those who would be able to say to the, 
those who are like John around us, a testimony to what we have seen and heard of you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.